You're listening to This Naked Mind with Annie Grace. Hi, this is Annie Grace, and welcome to This Naked Mind podcast, and I'm here with Buck. Hi, Buck. How are you? Hi, Annie. How are you? Very nice to be here. Thank you for having me. Oh, it's so great to see you. So why don't you take us sort of back to the beginning in your relationship with alcohol? Where did it all start for you? Oof, wow, gosh, I don't know how much time do we have. Uh, no, I um, I actually was not much of a drinker in high school. I was pretty straight-laced and, and really kind of, and, and looking back at that may have even been a bit naive about it. My dad had been an alcoholic, but he had... Uh, quit long before I had any conscious memory of it. So I was about two years old when he stopped. So we never had alcohol in the house. We never talked about it. It wasn't something that I had any real relationship or, or familiarity with. And then college came, right? And in college, I got thrown right into the fire, right? And made up for lost time, possibly, if you want to look at it in that way. I uh, got myself into a very deep and involved relationship with alcohol during my college years and really had it central to kind of one of my personality, if you will, who I perceived myself to be during my college years, what I thought college was all about, how I thought I was getting, you know, making friends and whatnot, it all centered on alcohol. And, and so that was, that was kind of my introduction. And unfortunately it was an introduction in a way that was already a, a problematic type of behavior with it. And then I kind of went through these peaks and valleys, if you will, throughout my 20s and into my 30s, where I would recognize that there was maybe a problem and cut back and get myself into better shape. And then it created this vicious cycle where I would justify that now I can go back to doing this because I've done the good stuff. Now I can enjoy the, the bad stuff, which I didn't at that time perceive as being bad stuff necessarily. And so I was kind of in this wax wane cycle where I would get healthy and then get unhealthy and get healthy and get unhealthy. And that merry-go-round, that dysfunctional merry-go-round was really not something that suited me once I got to the point where I was having kids, right? And all of a sudden, I just became that much more uh, cognizant of what I was doing to myself, to my family, to, to them. And actually, it was my wife who did the alcohol experiment uh, first and read This Naked Mind. And I'll never forget, she gave me a copy of This Naked Mind, and it sat on my bedside table for six months. And she was very good about like sharing with me, like, this is what I learned today, and isn't this interesting, and what do you think about that, and are you going to ever read that book that I gave you without putting too much pressure on it, and it just kind of sat there. And I, you know, as I probably a lot of the folks can relate to, I kind of doubled down, right? As the guy who was, you know, I, and, and I, I always laugh. I laugh about this now in retrospect, but I was going to be the supportive husband. I was going to not drink with her. I was going to, and then it was, I'm not going to drink in front of you. And then it was, I'm not going to drink wine in front of you. And then it was like, forget it. I'm just doing this. And, you know, and I was, and I can look back and, and say, honestly, I was, I was that, that negative influence that when she would start to crack a little bit, I'd see that opening and seize it and be like, oh, so you want a glass of wine too? Oh, great. And then the next thing you know, we're opening the second bottle and I had my, my drinking buddy back, right? 
And, and then I took a hard look at why am I doing that? Like here she is trying to better herself. Here she is trying to make this concerted effort towards self-improvement. And I'm enjoying kind of being the tripping stone that, that's, that trips her up along the way. That, what's, what, why? What's up with that, right? It caused me to really get in perspective and be like, what, are, what am I doing? Like, why am I so sure that she's the one who needs to go through this? Why don't I need to go through this too? And after all those months of sitting there collecting dust, I, I will never forget it. It was an afternoon and it was nothing much going on. And I just opened up this naked mind and I read it cover to cover. And that was three years ago, actually three years and about two months ago. And I have not had a single drink since. And, and it wasn't just that it was the kind of missing piece in that puzzle of how to solve my relationship with alcohol by determining that I was no longer going to have a relationship with alcohol. That was, that's how it was going to be fixed. But it was really more a matter of, okay, now what else am I going to do? Like, what am I saying? What, like, where do we go from here? How do we fill that void that alcohol had served? And I, I just want to give, you know, your listeners some context because they may be like, well, maybe he wasn't much of a drinker anyway. I was a heavy, heavy drinker and all beer, wine. I literally, I look back now and I'm quite thankful that I'd never did get the tattoos of Jameson and things that I was planning on doing to show my allegiance to my preferred brands of poison uh, at that time. But there's also another piece that I think is significant. Now, I was just turning 50. I was 49 at the time. And I had gone to see my doctor and my doctor gave me a very um, no holds barred come to Jesus that I was in really bad shape. He's like, your numbers are awful. Your number, you are pre-diabetic. You are uh, hypertension. You are, your liver is, you're on the basis, basically on the verge of cirrhosis. You, like you're a really sick guy. And here I was just about to turn 50 years old. And it was like, wow, geez you know, give me something positive for doc. And he's like, well, the positive is you have time. You have time to turn it around, if, but you're going to have to make massive changes to your lifestyle. There were some other things that I found out. I kind of found out that my, my biological father, uh, whom I had not realized I had come from a sperm donor, uh, had had four heart attacks. When I encountered him, when I found him, he'd had four heart attacks in here. And his, his father, my my biological grandfather on my father's side had died at 49. So all of that as a kind of perfect storm of saying things need to change. You know, things need to change, not a little bit, not superficially, but fundamentally, I need to get my, you know what, together. And, and you know, my doctor has said to me, he's had that kind of intervention type of talk with a hundred, hundred guys a year. And he said, you're the only one that it actually stuck with. Wow. And, and it really was a function of me looking at my life and my children and, and saying is, is alcohol and the road that it has taken me down. Is it more important than all of these other things? Because if it's not, you need to let it go. You need to let it go full stop. 
and change your direction and find a way to get yourself back to good. And, you know, three years later, now I'm, you know, knock on wood, the picture of health and biologically, my doctor is like, you literally turned back the clock 15, 20 years. Like you've, you've given yourself that much more time that you were otherwise on this accelerated path to your untimely and early demise. You've now given yourself back that much, not just that many years, as I like to say it, not just added years to my life, but life to my years. So better quality of life as well. Yeah. Can you talk more about that? Like life to your years? So what, what does that look like for you specifically? What does that entail? Well, you know, it's, it's funny because I think a lot of people who have become entirely dependent on alcohol have a hard time picturing who will I be without that? Like I'm so, it's so ingrained in how people perceive me and how I interact with the world that what's going to, what's on the other side of that, right? And it's interesting, right? Because I went from Joe party guy, you know, the guy who everybody's like, can't wait to have Buck show up because then things are really going to get crazy. And we'll have some funny stories tomorrow about people jumping naked into pools and things like that, which, you know, I was that guy to now being the one who everyone's like, oh, well, Buck, he's the healthiest guy I know. Like he's, he's my inspiration for how I want to change my life. So instead of being kind of the Pied Piper of going down this wrong road of how to abuse yourself, I've actually become kind of the poster child for not just men, a lot of women too, who have really said, you know, maybe we're all at that stage in our life where we're kind of realizing I got to do something to, to change the road I'm, I'm on and, and to have somebody that they can look to and say, you know, he wasn't always this way. And he was able to do it and make that U-turn successfully. And, and that gives me hope that I can do that too. So it's weird to have gone from kind of this guy that everybody perceived as Joe Party to the person who everyone's like, wow, when I need to find out what, you know, what kind of food should I be eating? What kind of exercise should I be doing? What, you know, whatever it may be that's going to help me get to the place I want to be, you know, I would be the furthest person that they would have had as far as a reference for that five years ago, but now I'm their go-to. And that's really, it has been amazing to me how many of my friends have come out and said afterwards, I really needed somebody that I could look at and say, who's going to be that guy who's going to show me that there's another way. And you have been that guy. And that's that the, the satisfaction that I get from even helping one person be able to turn that corner is a thousand times better than any drunken night I ever had, or maybe even all of those drunken nights put together when I was quote unquote having fun, you know? And it's now been over three years, which is just incredible. Yeah. I, I look back and, you know, again, it's, I know it's easy for a lot of people to get caught up in the, well, you know, how you look or what your weight is or whatever it may be that's part of their their criteria for before and after to me while those things have all materially changed what really matters most to me is how i perceive myself like just how happy i am just how satisfied i am 
just how I was living this life that was entirely focused on this really ugly cycle of I'm unhappy, the alcohol is going to help kind of take that away. Well, now I'm even more unhappy, so I need more alcohol to help take that away again. And, and just this vicious cycle downward spiral into waking up every day and just having a level of gratitude to not only be able to go out and face that day, you know, without the hangovers or anything like that, but just to know that I'm going to be able to get this day and really bring every bit of joy out of it. And then tomorrow I get to do it again, as opposed to, you know, when is it five o'clock so I can start the, the self-medication and get myself obliterated by nine o'clock at night? Because that's how I got through every day. Wow. Yeah, I can relate to that so much. It's it's such a paradigm shift, really. And it's mm-hmm. it's a paradigm shift that you're almost incapable of imagining when you're on the other side of it. Like you really, truly cannot imagine I, I was so certain that I would never be able to be happy without a drink, that I would never be able to relax without a drink. I was, I was like sure of these things. Like there was right. no, you know, it, and then when it shifted, I'm like, how could I not see this before? This has been like my real life, right. you know, life that isn't homogenous because it's all dumbed down by alcohol. Right. It's, it's been here all along. Right. And, and, you know, singularly aside from all of the, you know, the personal benefits that it's had uh, in terms of my own health and, and, and well-being, the difference that it's had in my marriage, the difference that it's had with my children. I mean, we talk now, unlike myself, like going back to the parallel of what was my life growing up as a kid, where alcohol was this kind of taboo subject, so we just never talked about it. We talk about it all the time. We talk about the dangers of it. We talk about, you know, and my my children, God bless them, have all said, well, we're never going to drink. And I'm under no delusion that that will, in fact, be the case because I know what pressures they're going to face in life. But at least when they do, they can do so with a real conscious, a real knowledge of how dangerous it is, what it can do to you, and and what life without it can look like. That life without it is not this gloom and doom and sad and whatever and like you know just a, a variety of people that are just have no social I, I have more social life now than ever it's just a different type and I'm certainly able to remember it much better the next day so I like that better because like I, I again a perfect example would be a vacation I can I I remember going into that first sober vacation and thinking well what am I going to do with myself I mean that the purpose of vacation was to get myself drunk I mean, it was like, as soon as we unpacked the bags, boom, hit the bar. As soon as, you know, everything was around, when are we going to have the next drinks and mimosas and this and that and Bloody Marys and you name it. I thought, what am I going to use to fill that? You know what I filled it with? Time spent with my kids. Time looking out at how beautiful the day was and how beautiful that sunrise is and how much I was enjoying the peace that was there. And I just thought, why did I do that? Why did I sell myself this lie? for 40 years of my life that that's what I needed to be happy when the reality is this is so much better so much better so yeah there's that's why when I I can obviously speak to it with a passion that allows other people to be like geez maybe I need to really think about this too right like if this guy's 
that like and and it, and I think there was a novelty to it when I was like six months into it, and people thought, "Nah, he's gonna quit. Like he'll be back. He'll be. He'll, he, this is just a phase." I don't ever. There's nothing anyone could ever do that would say to me, "Isn't it? Wouldn't you like to have a drink right now?" And have that answer to that be, "Yeah, that's certainly what I want." No. Quite the contrary effect, and that's one of the reasons why I think it's actually easy for me when people are like, aren't you tempted when you go to a bar or whatever? I'm like, no, that's actually where it's the easiest. Because when I see what it's doing to all my friends or when I see what it's doing to everyone, I'm like, thank God I'm not doing that to myself anymore. Thank God I'm not that guy who's slurring and telling jokes and thinks he's really funny, but he's really not and making an ass of himself and doing all that kind of stuff. I've been there done that no thanks i can relate so much to so much of this and <laughs> I, I remember feeling that way at bars too like it was just this idea of i thought i would be missing out but i'd look at people and and i didn't mean to be so judgmental or so callous or so feeling but i'm just looking at at these people who are just drinking and i just feel awkward and sorry for them i remember exactly right. trip yeah we we were all, it was one of my first big camping trips with a lot of different families. And we all went to the grocery store. And then I forgot that everybody would need to make a stop at the liquor store. Like it just oh. wasn't on my radar, but all these other families are like, right, we got to go to the liquor store too. And I remember sitting in the car with my husband and being like, I feel like it's so awkward that they have to buy alcohol to go out into nature for a few days. Like right. I felt so awkward about it. I was like, I feel so sad for them. <laughs> Yeah, no, it's, it's, and that's why when people will say, well, does it bother you to be around people drinking? I'm like, the only reason it bothers me is not because I feel some sense of loss or that I'm like jealous. It makes me sad to see you doing that to yourself and your people that I care about and that I legitimately want to share good quality time and years with. And yet watching you do that to yourself is, is, it makes me sad to see, especially when it's done in a way which again is I I'm the guy who's the proverbial throws the first stone because I can't I did it all was you know in a way where it the sole intention is to get yourself obliviated right like you it's not to just enjoy a glass or do whatever and that's the interesting thing I mean I didn't mention this but so my wife who was my catalyst for getting introduced to you and to introduce to the program in the first place she moderates so she she still drinks. And it and and that's perfectly fine with me because I never felt like it had to be this ultimatum that we're either both in this full on or else somehow or another we're not on the same team. If you enjoy it and can do that, that's great. I I'm not even remotely interested in tempting fate to see what that would lead to. I'm not missing anything. So therefore there's nothing that's going to add. And the negative of it just makes it scares the hell out of me. So that she has a glass of wine when we go out to a nice dinner is perfectly fine with me. Again, no judgment around that whatsoever, because I respect that she's doing so in a way that I just simply can't or won't even give myself the opportunity to try to do. Yeah, yeah, I love that. I was going to ask you actually about, you know, if being in the position, I get this question all the time. I get this question of like my... My partner is, so if we, if we rewind all the way back to when you were still drinking and you were the one kind of adding the pressure, right? Or right. you were the one looking for the opportunities of when she felt like, oh yeah, like maybe I'll have one. And you're like, yes. 
Um, I get this question a lot from people who are like, yeah, like my partner just, he feels like he's lost his drinking buddy. And I just, I don't know how to deal with this. I don't, I don't know how to navigate this. So I have this opportunity right now of you were that partner. So how do you tell the, the spouse or the partner who is wanting to make a change? How do you tell them to, to talk to the person who feels like they just lost their drinking buddy and they, they kind of want to egg them on to bring them back? So it's interesting, right? Because when I was in that position, it was it, it it was my guilt at knowing that the next day this beautiful lady who had been doing so well and then woke up that next day with her head hurting and feeling sick and all this stuff was a direct result of me kind of goading her on and, and being, oh, come on, one more. It's not going to hurt me. Oh, come on, let's open another bottle. Why not? Right. All of that was directly related to me. So I, you know, I was the proverbial devil on her shoulder. And I'm like, but why? Why am I doing that? And conversely, I can remember, and, you know, I think it's significant that we haven't really had in three years any kind of real fight, but we used to fight when there was alcohol involved because, you know, alcohol was, was just taking all of this stuff and stirring it up. Right. So, when she would say, you know, do you need to really have another glass or whatever? Oh, don't tell me what to do. And, you know, I was, I was that defensive guy, right? As opposed to, and now I look at it and I see a lot of people who tell me about how, you know, their spouse doesn't seem to want to give in, you know, be, be get on the program and, and help out and be that way. And I'm like, hey, listen, I was that guy. And she won me over, not by browbeating me into it, not by guilting me into it, not by anything, but by serving as this really beautiful, calm example of just, no, I'm, I, I just don't want to do that anymore. And I'm happier this way. And seeing that, again, as an example to me of, well, I'm unhappy, which is why I'm doing this in the first place. Maybe she's got something there. Maybe there's something there that is worth at least investigating. And, and I'll tell you this, when I first read your book, it pissed me off, right? Like I, you, it, it literally angered me. Like you were using terminology that was like, you're calling it poison. I'm like, how dare she call it poison? It's not poison. It's, it's wonderful. Does she not understand all the great, you know, work that goes into the master vinters who create this and the sommelier and that I'm like, she's calling it like it's trash. And by the end of the book, I was like, she's right. You know, she's right. It is trash. And why was I so incredibly defensive of it? Right. And that's, that, that there was a lot of, I, you know, I, one of the examples in your book is of your father's, you know, spontaneous sobriety. And some people have said, well, I guess that's the same way you, you were. And I'm like, yeah, it was, it was, you know, decades in the making to become spontaneous. But when it did, when it finally clicked, it was that it was. And I think that goes along, you know, kind of with my personality to, well, why would somebody do an Ironman, right? Like what, what would possess you to do something like that? And to me, that's just like, well, if I'm going to set my mind on it and that's what I'm going to do, there's no alternative. We're going to do that. And so it was the same way. Once I had made up my mind that this was no longer going to define me, I just walked away from it. Full yeah, stop. That power of just that firm decision. And yeah. 
and really integrating it into your identity, into who yep. you are, right? Yep. And then it becomes just really truly effortless, which is amazing. Yeah. Well, there's nothing if I looked in that mirror at that time that I'm like, gosh, I just want to preserve this moment in time. Look at this great, you know, 50 pound overweight, sick guy. He's that's that's who I want to be remembered as. No, I looked at it. And I'm like, no, it's time. It's time while I still have time to to be the person not only that I want to be, but that my children deserve, that my wife deserved me to be and that that I'm tired of being this guy. And, and I did that. I've turned that around. I was able to both physically transform myself, mentally transform myself, emotionally transform myself as a result of ridding myself of this, this really insidious you know, poison that I was ingesting on a daily basis that was clouding my entire worldview, my entire sense of self, my entire way of interacting with my world. And when I removed that key component and took responsibility for who I wanted to be and got myself up and off the couch and doing it, it all came together. Amazing. So do you think you would have ever done something like an Ironman still drinking? No, 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 no. I, I was, in fact, it was easy for me because in my story, when I was in my 30s, again, during one of those kind of cycles, I had turned it around and was went from, I, I remember waking up one uh, New Year's morning, I had been kicked out of my bedroom by my then wife. Uh, so I woke up hungover naked on a couch with bottles of wine all around me. And I said to myself, what the hell am I doing? Like, who, what is this? And I'm going to go for a run. And I could not make it around the block. Like I was bent over with my hands on my knees, sick, trying to go around a block, right? That turned into running my first neighborhood 5K, first half marathon, marathon, Ironman. So I eventually got to the point where I had done three Ironmen in my 30s and had really turned my life around. And then we had kids and I no longer had kind of the time or ability to go out for a four or five hour bike ride. And so alcohol filled that space, right? And so what I had was the nostalgia of, well, hey, I've done it before. Come on. I don't have to prove anything to anybody. You know, I'm an Iron Man. I just, you know, you'd look at me and you'd be like, you're an Iron Man. And I'm like, yes, I was. And what I think was really important to me was to be able to say, no, that's not something that has to be in the past. That's not something that has to have this past tense associated with it. My child, my son, was one year old in a stroller when I did my last Ironman. He's now 15. I cannot put into words how much more meaningful it was to see his face as I walked. I, I get choked up as I came across that finish line a couple of weeks ago and to know that that's the memory he's going to be left with not of you know his dad having been something that he doesn't recall but he can look at pictures of but having that living memory of like no my dad turned his life around and he really is an iron man mm, i love that that's so cool that's great well let me ask you the question that I, I end these with, which is if you were going to back in time to Buck, who was, you know, feeling 
instigating his wife feeling stuck and you were going to tell him about what your life is like now what would you say you have you've always been a good salesman but the problem is you've sold yourself a lie that you just can't see the truth because it's so ingrained in how who you think you are right i every aspect you know your irish heritage well shit that means drinking you know uh that's who that's i'm just celebrating being irish right and or you know where you went to school or what you did or anything was just a trigger for this behavior and a justification for it and i'm like you were you've taken that lie and taken it hook line and sinker and it's killing you like not a, that's not an opinion that's that was a medical fact it was literally killing me and my love affair with alcohol was the, going to be my death and i look now at how much more life i get out of every single day and how much more joy i get out of every single day than i ever did at the bottom of any bottle of any fine wine or whiskey or anything that was ever so important to me and i just say thank god thank god i figured out how to turn things around before there was it was too late and i you know i say that to people all the time I'm like it's never too late until it is and then there's sometimes you just can't go back there's not there's the damage is so so done so baked in that that no amount of good intentions can turn that back i heard those words coming from my doctor's lips i saw the neon sign that God was putting in front of me telling me to turn around and I did and more important than just what it would meant to me in my own life it has been uh a materially positive impact on my family on my friends on strangers you know hundreds and hundreds of strangers who I've never met in my life we have created this connection through you and through our shared sobriety that has created a, a network of friends across the world and i would have never had occasion to cross paths with any of these wonderful people if it hadn't been for what the alcohol experiment and this naked mind and our shared support of one another in the face of a society that tells you that that's why would you want to do that why would you want to live your life that way and yet here are all of these wonderful brothers and sisters who are doing exactly that and we're helping each other along the way and it's a thousand times more satisfying to me than any night out at the pub lifting glasses with guys and making asses of ourselves I, you know again no judgment to those who do that but there is so much of a better way out there than than what that leads to Oh, I love that so much. Well, thank you so much for coming on and sharing your story. It was just really great to to hear it and to meet well, you. And I again, I can't put into words how much I appreciate what you've done for me and for my family and for so many others. And uh, just so grateful that as much as I resisted it, and I will be the first one to tell you, Annie, I resisted it with just about every fiber of my being. You were the right place at the right time with the right message, and it made. The, the right impact on this person's life. Oh, that's amazing. Thank you. Thank you. 
Thank you so much for listening to this episode. If you're ready to see how this naked mind can help you on your personal health and wellness journey and want to learn more, go to thisnakedmindpodcast.com to learn what your next best step is. Again, that's thisnakedmindpodcast.com. We have all of our free resources, programs, social links, and more available for you there. Plus, if you have your own naked life story to share, you can submit it there as well. Until next week, stay curious. 